Welcome to Slight Reliability. Learning SRE one day at a time. I'm Stephen Townsend. Hello and welcome back to Slight Reliability, the show where we learn SRE one day at a time. One of the things that I've been doing in recent years is reading, well actually listening to audiobooks related to my work whether that's just technology in general or agility or specifically around site reliability. I want to grow and learn and understand more. But the challenge with audiobooks for me is I'm generally not at my desk near some pen and paper or a computer. I'm out doing the groceries or walking the dogs. So I'm not able to take notes as I'm listening to those key points or lessons that I think, wow, that's a great concept. I'd like to use that in my work. The most recent book that I finished is The Toyota Way by Jeffrey Leiker, which is, I guess if I had to paraphrase, it's a book about lean using the example of uh, Toyota and how they've implemented different principles and ideas over the many years that Toyota has been a successful organization. And you might be thinking, well, what's this got to do with SRE? Like, you know, sure, there's lean and there's agile and DevOps and all these ideas and principles. But how does that relate specifically to SRE? And I think that it might be my age or the level, the years of experience that I have. But I think that SRE, as with many things in technology, in order to succeed, an organization has to be in the right state, culturally, structurally and have the right mindset and the principles discussed in this book and other books that I've been reading really support the idea and the values of SRE. I guess fundamentally I've found myself in a situation where I want to adopt something SRE related but actually in order to do that there's a prerequisite around the wider organization and how it works so I can't help but think about these bigger picture ideas and I think it's potentially an inevitability when you're trying to implement SRE as a new thing to an organization, which has never experienced it before. So the Toyota Way, the book, it covers 14 principles. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but instead I'm going to pick out the principles that resonated to me and which I think are relevant uh, for the world of SRE and making it succeed. The first principle I wanted to discuss is only use reliable, thoroughly tested technology that serves your people and processes. This sounds like a very generic thing to say. I think having read the book, it sounds like if you looked at Toyota from the outside world, they would seem quite slow to adopt new technology. They are kind of skeptical at first of anything new. They want to see it tested and proven to make sure that it actually serves the people and the processes, which are the most important thing to the organization. So there's lots to unpack from that. One is that in Toyota, the culture is that the people come first because they are the number one resource. The success of the company, it won't be because of a great technology they purchased or built. It'll be because of the people. So if the technology doesn't serve the people, then it's going to negatively impact the organization. And secondly, the processes. Tools are only there to help make the processes that we have more effective or efficient. So if the tool doesn't serve the process, again, it's working against the organization. Toyota are very thorough about how they introduce a new technology to their organization. They tend to 
do some initial testing up front, maybe in a lab situation, then they'll roll it out to say a single production line or a single factory, and they might test it for a year and be experimenting and adjusting continually before they get to a point where they have the confidence to roll it out wider uh, within the organization. Now, I'm going to sound like a bit of a pessimist here, but from my experience, most organizations that I've worked with, it's very different. A solution will be decided by some leadership group, whether that's architects or leaders and managers, and it'll be decided up front with very little analysis into whether it solves the particular problem that the organization is trying to overcome, whether it fits the culture, the process, the people, and then it's just go and do the thing. So it's a complete thought experiment. It's not actually based on making sure that it's fit for purpose in the organization. In the digital age, this whole industry, this whole world, the businesses we work in are too complex to know in advance what the best thing to build is. It's literally impossible. The only way we can know is to build something, put it in front of real customers or users in the real world and get feedback through measuring, asking them, and then adjusting, reflecting and adjusting based on that feedback. That is the only way to succeed. And I guess this is ultimately coming back to an argument against big waterfall, big bang releases and moving towards smaller incremental delivery. So I guess if I was to try and summarize my thoughts on this point, the first thing is that people come first and then process because those are the things which are going to enable your organization to succeed, not your technology. So that's a, that's a real mindset shift. The second thing is that you need to understand your people and your, the culture of your teams and your organization. And you have to understand your processes intimately before you can implement an effective technology to help those things succeed. And the last thing is that when we pick technology, we need to be really thoughtful and thorough about how we introduce it. Just because something is new doesn't mean it's going to provide you good outcomes. In fact, it probably won't. I think this is actually aligned with the idea of moving slower to go faster because if you go ahead and do a thing and it doesn't work and it's actually causing your organization all kinds of bottlenecks and wastage it's going to actually slow you down and create a bunch of technical debt in the long run so slowing down being thoughtful getting things effective and efficient and building flow that's the way to go the second principle and maybe the one that spoke the most to me is go and see for yourself to thoroughly understand the situation uh, the, the term in the Toyota way is Genchi Genbutsu, uh, or another phrase they use is walk the Gemba. And what that means is rather than try and make decisions as a, as a thought experiment, say, hey, this is a good idea, go to the factory floor, watch the work happening, and look for opportunities, look for wastage, look for issues. Because that is the only way you're really going to see where the opportunities are to be able to address them. But that's not what most organizations do. In most organizations, the decisions about how things are run and what we're going to do to improve ourselves are generally, from my experience, made by leaders who are disconnected from the actual work and how it's being done. I think it is the responsibility of every leader in an organization to intimately understand what their teams do, their processes, 
how they deliver outcomes. And in many situations, that is going to be to understand the delivery process from beginning to end and exactly how that works and probably the operational process as well. Because until you understand these things, it's very hard to make informed decisions about what to do to make things better. We have this pretty common pattern in Western organizations where we have uh, people leaders or, or managers or, or business leaders, and they will rotate jobs fairly frequently. They, they are not actually experts necessarily in the domain that they work in. And I think I'm beginning to disagree with that. I don't think it necessarily works. Yes, people leadership is a, a skill. It is absolutely a skill, and it's not something everyone can do well. But in order to lead an organization about how they work and how to improve, you need people that truly understand the organizational context. And one of the things that Toyota does to enable this is they absolutely prioritize lifting up existing people in the organization to become leaders rather than going to market and finding some high profile leader from another organization. They don't value that in the same way that most organizations do. And I like that. Leadership aside, I think even within teams in an organization, we don't do enough observation and understanding of how we work to clearly understand it so we can see where the waste is. We can see where the problems are and the bottlenecks and the handovers and the painful bits that we could work through. And that needs to be prioritized. But to do that, there's got to be a culture of continuous learning. There's got to be time and space to do that. It's got to be valued from an organizational perspective. And I think that flows nicely into the third point I wanted to discuss, which is become a learning organization through relentless reflection and continuous improvement. Now, most organizations use these words, but they don't embody these principles, the ideas behind them. What does it mean to be a continuous learning organization? It means that part of everyone's job needs to be observing, reflecting, uh, finding opportunities or bottlenecks, raising them, discussing them, making a plan, and prioritizing that. Toyota has this thing, I'm sure it's very popular and famous, called the, the Andon, the Andon cord. So in a production line in a Toyota factory, there's this Andon cord. And basically, if there's anything that goes wrong with delivery, whether it's a, a quality issue or maybe a safety issue, any employee can pull this Andon cord and the production line will be stopped. And it will be stopped until that quality or safety issue is resolved. The fact that this exists tells you that Toyota truly values quality and safety above all else. It's not just about continuing production, got to meet our quotas. Safety and quality are what make Toyota a successful business. In fact, not addressing something right then in the moment just means you're delaying the pain and making it worse later. And I think that's great. And it means we're not compromising on quality either and probably being able to deliver faster anyway because of this whole process and mindset. Now, how many IT or organizations in general can you think of who would stop a major deliverable because there is obvious dysfunction? Whether it's people being burned out, whether there's quality issues, maybe there's too much complication going on and things are very slow and inefficient. How many organizations would stop and say, you know what, we're going to stop trying to deliver this thing until we can 
get through some of these issues and get ourselves in flow with high quality? I would say very few. To me, that is a massive shame and a missed opportunity, but it's, it's a complicated issue because it's also about the organization and how initiatives and work are funded and the model. If you have, say, a lot of capital expenditure projects, then it's all about delivering outcomes at any cost. Whereas organizations which have moved to more OPEX models, where it's sort of continually moving and providing value, are more free to identify and improve and adjust and overcome obstacles as they arise. I think we get into a pattern with many organizations where it becomes shareholder-driven work as opposed to actually doing what the organization needs to do to be better, to provide outcomes to customers. And that's, um, well, it's kind of depressing, but that's, that's the way of, of many large organizations around the world. Another aspect of becoming a continuously learning organization is to actually use science, be a scientific organization, to base decisions based on facts and observations, to run experiments, to adjust and make informed decisions. And that is, that's also a mindset shift for many organizations as well. There is a process described in the book about perceiving a problem, clarifying what the problem is, locating the cause, doing root cause analysis, applying countermeasures, re-evaluating, and then standardizing the process to, to resolve whatever that issue is. Now, I can't think of many organizations that have a process like that in place for, hey, we've identified a problem and the process to remediate, resolve, and to standardize a solution to that problem. It's also worth mentioning that in order to become a continuously learning organization, you have to be an honest organization who is willing to admit their faults. And it's surprising how difficult that might be, depending on the culture of your organizations, your teams, your people. It's all very easy to talk about the wins, talk about the good stuff. But if we can't talk about the stuff that's not working, then how can we get better? How can we improve? I love finding out about issues, things that are not going well, because then that to me is a tangible thing that we can solve together as a, as a team and organization. That's interesting to me. But I, I know that there are many people who find that uncomfortable or think that it's being negative or pessimistic. I completely disagree. And I think that hiding issues and problems is only going to lead to a whole lot of misery later on. The fourth principle, which I won't spend much time on, is make decisions slowly by consensus, thoroughly considering all options, but once the decision is made, implement those decisions rapidly. That means not just making decisions by small siloed groups, but opening the decision up to a wide set of stakeholders to get feedback. It also means considering all options, lots of options. Don't just get fixated on something you thought about early on. And it means be very thoughtful and thorough about doing the work to understand and make sure it's fit for purpose. And then once all that work's done, then just go and do it. Do it quickly. I like that. There is a concept discussed between fast thinking and slow thinking. Now, most people are inherently fast thinkers because that's, in history, through evolution, how we survived. We thought quickly. We did something uh, without a lot of detailed analysis behind the scenes. But in the digital era, in this complex world that we live in, 
slow thinking is what is going to succeed. And it's very difficult for most people, myself included, to do that slow thinking. Slow down, stop, analyze something, do systems thinking, do the work. It feels like it's not work sometimes. It feels boring. Sometimes it feels too slow, like it's not stimulating enough for the brain. But that slow thinking, as unnatural as it is, is what I think is being talked about here. That thoroughness, that thoughtfulness, doing the analysis, being scientific. We need more of that and less of the, do the thing. But I mean, I'm the worst one to talk because that's exactly how I operate most of the time. So those are the four principles that really stood out to me. But I'm going to read the rest out, just the titles, just so you get a sense of what the book's about. The first one is to base your management decisions on a long-term philosophy, even at the expense of short-term financial goals. Yes. Create a continuous process flow to bring problems to the surface. Use pull systems to avoid overproduction. Level out the workload. There's probably a whole podcast episode on that one. Build a culture of stopping to fix problems. Get quality right the first time. Standardized tasks and processes are the foundation for continuous improvement and employee empowerment. Use visual controls so no problems are hidden. I think this is very interesting, maybe a topic for a future episode. I think in the world of observability, we can not only look at sort of technology and how that's going and business and customer, but also our ways of working and how that's going as well. Grow leaders who thoroughly understand the work, which I kind of covered, live the philosophy and teach it to others. Develop exceptional people and teams who follow your company's philosophy. Uh, Respect your extended network of partners and suppliers by challenging them and helping them to improve, which I think is also pretty relevant. And those are the other 10 principles. So I know that this isn't directly related to SRE, but I think that understanding how organizations work, how they can be better, helps you understand the impediments that you might have to implementing SRE. And at the end of the day, if you really want to implement the benefits of SRE, you might have to tackle some of these things head on. So that's all from another episode of Slight Reliability. I am reading some other books, so I'm, if you like this episode, I'd be quite keen to do some more book reflection episodes in the future. And in fact, if you have read The Toyota Way or Team Topologies or Accelerate um, or Sooner Safer Happier, and you'd like to come on the show and discuss the book with me, I would love to have you on. So just give me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. So that's all for another episode. Thanks once again for tuning in, and I will see you next time.